Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, this is Garrett Sisti. Hold for applause. The host of the Lightning Round podcast and Score More with Garrett Sisti all under the Bolts from the Blue podcast network covering your local Los Angeles Chargers. The podcasts are great, but don't take my word for it. Listen to this kid. Kids don't lie. It seems. Forget the kids. Search Bolts from the Blue on iTunes to find great Chargers podcasts like the Lightning Round podcast and score more with Garrett Sisti and add them to your podcast rotation. I'm not giving you that dollar. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Chapon. Rob's with me, too. Um, today's kind of a, a, a somber day. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball, uh, quite a bit about basketball in a moment. But um, Kobe Bryant passed away today in a, in a helicopter crash, and there were quite a few other families with him. Um, his daughter, Gianna, was with him too. Apparently they were going to a basketball uh, game or something along those lines. And uh, the helicopter that they were on crashed and, uh, um, and Kobe passed away with his daughter. And I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Clipper fan, so I'm not going to pretend like I was this big Laker fan for a very long time. Uh, I, I was not. Uh, I was never really one to become close to the Lakers, and Kobe Bryant was a reason for that. You know, I, I wasn't particularly, you know, too overly fond of Kobe, though I appreciated his talents. Um, so I spent a lot of my years following basketball kind of talking about Kobe's flaws and why I didn't like him and, and this and that and off-court issues. Um and there were also moments where I appreciated him a lot. I remember when Shaq got traded, I didn't think it was Kobe's fault. I stood up for him. I had him on a keeper on one of my long-term fantasy basketball leagues <laughs> for 10-plus years. And I actually was a guest on uh, – I used to call into Rick Hamlet's fantasy basketball show when he was on NBA TV. And I used to talk about Kobe a lot. I used to talk about how good Kobe was uh, because that's when LeBron James was picking up hype. In fact, when Kobe had his 81-point game, NBA TV called me to talk about Kobe on the air, uh, which I thought was super cool. So I've probably watched Kobe Bryant, you know, as much as I've watched any other player ever. He's – I'm, I'm, I'm an L.A. kid. I might be a Clipper fan, but I watched the Lakers. I watched the playoffs. I've watched Kobe very closely. Um, even when he was very young in the 90s, I watched him then. 
And I came to appreciate a lot about how good of a basketball player he is. And after he retired, you know, you kind of also came to appreciate what a good dad he is almost more than anything. You would especially see his relationship with his, uh, with his daughter, Gigi, and uh, how encouraging he was of her dreams um, to possibly eventually play in the WNBA. So to have lost him to something like this, at such a young age when he's 41 and he hasn't even been properly induced into the hall of fame. It's incredible to think that he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer and he won't be there to give his speech. You know, it's a really sad day, not just for sports and basketball, but for Los Angeles. It's uh, it's overwhelmingly sad. And I was, I was kind of stunned by how sad I was from all this. You know, my brother and my dad are huge Laker fans. My brother is a massive Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, I recorded every game of the three-peat for him um, while he was in medical school. In fact, when game seven of that Kings game came up, he didn't have connection when he was in med school overseas. And uh, he called me and I gave him the play-by-play for the last six minutes in overtime of that game because he was so pins and needles about what was happening. Uh, I've, gone to, I've gone to bars with him to watch playoff games, and I found myself temporarily you know, rooting for the Lakers because I wanted to root for his happiness uh, as much as I hate to admit it. And you know, there's always been this Lakers-Clippers rivalry, but you know, Doc said it best earlier today before the game is that you know, we're all kind of Laker fans today. Um, this guy was a great ambassador for the game by all means, by every person in the media, by all of his colleagues, he seems like just like a really good dude was constantly trying to push things forward. Um, you know, his off court scandals aside, which we're not going to talk about at all today, you know, it seemed like he was really trying to move forward and do things outside of basketball while also being an ambassador for the game. And I really, I, his game is incredible, you know, um, his one-on-one game in the post as a guard is rivaled only by like Michael Jordan and Kawhi Leonard has absolutely taken a lot of Kobe Bryant and put it in his game. Paul George has been, has not been shy talking about how much he loves Kobe Bryant, how Kobe Bryant was his favorite player growing up, even though the Clippers were his team. Um, There have been countless, countless tributes to him out there. I've talked to, I've spoken to so many people from LA or just basketball fans um, just about how much Kobe Bryant has meant to them. Staples has been flooded with people even before the Grammys today. I mean, this guy was a massive icon. Um, and I think after spending so many years, you know, talking down his legacy, that like today has kind of been the day where I've been like, you know what, wow, we lost this great, great player uh, and this true icon to the game today. And uh, it just made me want to think of the good things that I've, I probably haven't talked about enough through my life because of the nature of my fanhood. And, you know, this is a really hard time for even people listening to this podcast, people listening to the Clippers. Some of them are just LA sports fans. Some of them s- still like Kobe Bryant. Some of them were like your fans before they're Clipper fans. Now it, it's, there's so many things, but I think wherever you are, you know, if you even just, a sports person, or even if you're not, you know, this is kind of one of those people who defy just natural sportshood where I think everybody knows who Kobe Bryant is. Like everybody, you know, you could talk to probably knows who Kobe Bryant is if they've lived in America, you know, like he's that much of an icon. And, uh, I just wanted to pay my respects and, uh, and probably just say a batch of like good things about, about this guy who, I've spent so long criticizing. <laughs> it's so weird because it got to that point today where it's like, wow, I spent so much effort telling people about how Kobe Bryant isn't that great that you kind of forget that he is, he is great. Like he is, you know, Kobe is synonymous with greatness and um, especially just his craft of basketball and his passion for the game and his passion would have been going forward. He would have been such a great proponent for this game. And I just kind of caught myself in a lot of unexpected feelings today um, because I realized like, you know, life is so fragile. And for something like this to happen to someone like Kobe, um, who probably was in the state of the art helicopter that he's done so many times before with his daughter, didn't even think twice about it. Like, Life is so fragile that 
Kobe just had another baby, like less than a year old. And, and you know, that those kids are, aren't going to have a dad. His, his wife isn't going to have a husband and uh, countless of people all across the country are going to be dealing with a void for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, and, you know, while Kobe Bryant was never my favorite player, you know, I, it's, it's, it's time to like put some respect to that name more respect than I've probably given him um, over these years and years and years for a variety of reasons. Kobe Bryant was a near clipper in 2004, um, very nearly a clipper. And I never gave it credence because I always thought he was using us as leverage, but it would have been an interesting thing. You know, he came very close and, uh, you know, it's kind of a forgotten piece of Clipper history, how close that all happened, but it was a very legitimate (laughs) flirtation even. Um, and that, and so he's even a part of Clipper history. Um, I just think that, uh, it's just, it's just, he's one of the more eloquent, professionals i've ever like heard spoken on a microphone and even to lose that for for the future is it's just such an unbearable tragedy all of this and and gia uh, his daughter seemed like she had a lot of kobe's mentality on the court and she seemed like she was growing up as a basketball player and she absolutely would have had a career some one way or the other in women's basketball and to lose her is even more tragic. It's just it's just an overwhelmingly sad day. Even for me here in the Midwest, you know, I'm an LA kid. I'll be back in LA soon. I can just feel the impact that this kind of thing happened. Uh, like this, this kind of thing is has felt across the nation, especially in Los Angeles. Rob, uh, I mean, you know, we're Clipper fans, so I think a lot of us have this kind of checkered relationship with Kobe because you know a lot of people become Clipper fans because they don't like the Lakers um, and they just see this as a better alternative and they have choices but it's undeniable how much he's just completely changed the landscape of the sport that we love so much and we talk about weekly uh, did you have what were your thoughts what how were your emotions today uh, just with Kobe Bryant knowing what happened to him yeah, it was it was a very weird day. Um, you know, I think he was definitely one of those people who you just felt would be around for a long time. I mean, he was yeah. he was obviously very young. I mean, he was forty one, so of course you'd think he'd be around. But it was just Kobe, just his attitude, the way he went about things. You thought he'd just be he'd be there for you know forty fifty years. Um, you know, so it was just very you know sudden from that perspective. Um, you know, the real tragedy of you know. Uh, his daughter dying at, at age 13 with really her entire life ahead of her um, is just, you know, very depressing. And the other people on the helicopter, um, there are several other kids, I believe, and um, and a couple parents, I, I think nine total, just, you know, really sad, um, a really sad event that happened that will leave a lot of families, you know, heartbroken. Um, and, as for Kobe himself, you know, um, I was a Lakers fan when I was young, as I think, you know, a fair amount of Clippers fans probably are um, or were. Um, and while I, I grew distant from them as I grew older, um, you know, I do think Kobe was unquestionably one of the best basketball players of all time. Um, he was somebody who was kind of the face of the NBA uh, for the 2000s decade. Um, you know, he, everybody – all the kids growing up, you know, my age all grew up, you know, yelling Kobe when we were taking shots. Um, and that's something that's, you know, hard to measure in terms of impact. Um, but it's true. Everybody just used to, when you were taking like a fadeaway or like a clutch shot or whatever, just shooting around playing horse, you know, it was just what everybody said. Um, and it just showed his, his impact. Um, and as you mentioned, I think really, in the city of Los Angeles, there's been no bigger sports figure in recent memory. I mean, you definitely have to go back to magic in the eighties. Um, and I mean, I obviously wasn't alive for that. Um, but I mean, certainly nobody has been bigger in my lifetime in LA than Kobe. Uh, it's really not even remotely close either. Um, and just, it's, it's going to be like a different city without him there and without his presence and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's sad. Um, you know, I do think he has a very complex 
complicated legacy that I think in many ways will actually be much more difficult to talk about um, now that he died so tragically. I think, you know, some of the stuff he did, both good and bad, will be much harder to reckon with now. Um, and I don't want to get into to all of that because, you know, <laughs> it's it's going to be, you know, a celebratory, not celebratory, but, you know, we, we want to remember him in, in a positive light, at least, you know, today. Um, but, you know, I do think that, you know, it's going to be difficult for people to come to terms with this um, and to come to terms with what he did. Um, you know, there are some things that I think he had remorse about in his past, yeah. and now there's going to be no real, um, you know, understanding there. Um, and I think that's a real shame because I think in some ways, even though in many cases it seemed misguided, I think he was a real champion of the WNBA um, mm-hmm. for women's basketball. Um, you know, certainly with his daughter, Ajiana, who was, as you said, you know, very much had, you know, Kobe's love of basketball and, and competitive spirit seemingly, um, and by many, many accounts seemed to be on the path to being, you know, a fantastic um, basketball player um, in her own right. Um, you know, that legacy is unfortunately cut short, and that's really just a huge shame. Um, he was really big about promoting women's basketball and, and the WNBA and really one of the first NBA players, I think, to really get behind it um, full-fledgedly. And, you know, that's really important. It's been something that a lot of NBA players have taken up in recent years. Um, but once upon a time, that was not something that, you know, a lot of male basketball players did. Um, and Kobe, I think, was was almost always, you know, on that path. And that's something I think is very positive that can be said about him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm going to remember his, his fantastic play. Um, his ridiculous footwork, um, his yeah. athleticism in his prime, which is almost forgotten about now um, because it's quite quite a while ago. But I mean, he used to throw down some absolutely monstrous dunks, um, yeah. just an electric, electric force out there. And when he, was, when he was on and when he was cooking, there were really few players more fun to watch than Kobe. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just – it's really sad. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not hurt as much as a lot of people are, I think. I mean, no, for those people, you know, I know celebrity deaths are always very weird because we don't know these people, but we feel like we know them, you know, because we've seen them so much. You know, as you said, and you've watched hundreds of hours of Kobe Bryant, you know, play basketball yeah, and gosh. just on the screen and doing, you know, whatever, hundreds and hundreds of hours, maybe even thousands of hours, um, really, considering how much he's on national television, all those playoff runs. Um, you know, and people in LA in particular, I think, and, and basketball fans just felt like they knew him. Um, so for people who are, who are, you know, sad and grieving about this, you know, I think that's very understandable. And, you know, I, I hope everybody, you know, is able to eventually move past it and kind of use, use his legacy to move on and, you know, keep fighting. I think that's, you know, one of the things that was talked about today was whether the NBA was going to cancel games or not. And I think, it probably won't come out, but I think one of the reasons why they probably did it is because Kobe himself, um, if nothing else, would have wanted games to have been played today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hope um, people use his legacy for in a positive way going forward, and I wish, you know, all the best to his, his family and his close friends and what must be just, like, an awful time for them. Um yeah. And yeah, it's it's gonna be a different NPA, a different Los Angeles without Kobe Bryant. Absolutely. Uh I'd I'd wager to say probably Kobe Bryant's name is probably spoken on, on my family dinner table more than any other name. We talked about him so much. Uh just between me, my dad and my brother just getting on a roll and talking about basketball, my mom just saying, Oh my gosh, and having to deal with it. Um this is a tough day for my brother. It's a tough day for a lot of like hardcore Laker fans. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kobe Bryant's life is littered with messages about pushing forward through pain and get, get like handling adversity. And this, unfortunately for a lot of his fans is an instance of that. And uh, it's going to be tough um, when somebody that's just, you know, still so full of life and still so full of everything is, is taken away. But I, I hope people do today, you know, just remember, his legacy and the positive things about him. Like you mentioned, his, his, he's an imperfect person. Um, and I think he was willing to admit that too. 
there are a lot of things about him that made me not want to root for him. Um, but today I, I don't uh, think about any of those things. I just think about what a, what a revelation he was as a basketball player. And he just talked about, you know, Diana Taurasi uh, and Belladonna and like uh, Maya Moore being NBA ready, like in, a, in an article, like within this past week, I read about Kobe Bryant. So his his impact on the WNBA, and I'm thinking his impact going forward on women's basketball would have continued to have grown. And it, it was it was a thing even before he had a daughter that was so invested in basketball, and um, that's a shame because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about Kobe Bryant and women, and you know, and it would have it would have been nice to see what he would have been going forward, his relationship with his daughter, um, and her impact in the women's game, and. It's just a it's just a very, very sad story. My heart goes out to his family, all the families, you know, the pilot's family, like everybody who passed away in this tragedy. I just have a lot of of good vibes. I hope that they can feel in some way and and uh it's just a sad day. It's a really sad day for LA. Uh, it was weird that there was a game to be played. Kawhi Leonard has been in Kobe Bryant's camp over this past summer. Uh, Paul George loves Kobe. Lou Williams is a former teammate. Doc Rivers was completely choked up today um, to an extent that I've never seen from him crying about Kobe Bryant, about his experience with Kobe Bryant. Um, it was just uh, it was just very heavy. You know, Orlando was where he won one of his championships even, and I couldn't help remembering that while I was watching the game today. So, um yeah, he's one of the most memorable players I've ever seen in my life. And shots of him scoring buckets will never leave my memory. Um, so for any Kobe fan out there who, uh, who, who I've had an argument with about Kobe's lessened legacy in the league, uh, you can have that forever. I mean, I'll never forget Kobe Bryant. Like he... And his footwork and how he played basketball. When I was like playing more basketball, like I I watched Kobe Bryant and how he would move in the post. Like he's he's unlike any he's he was one of the best post players in the league in his prime. So that goes to show like how good he was. So I mean, I just want to give proper tribute to him and yeah, really just want just want his family to hopefully you know look forward to what's a very dark time for them. So yeah, his wife and his, his three remaining daughters just, yeah, all, you know, thoughts are with them and with the rest of the yeah. family at this time. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, transitioning a little bit. Um, the Clippers have been playing basketball over the past week. Uh, today in particular, I think was the basketball was very overshadowed, um, you know, by the news about Kobe, but the Clippers were really good this week. Um, outside of that one loss in Atlanta, which I think I know I was not nearly as upset about as many people on Twitter were. Um, you know, they had two of their best wins of the season on the road at Dallas and at Miami. Um, another really solid one today against Orlando. Um, and really, I mean, the, I think the story here is, as we mentioned, you know, a Kobe disciple. Um, right. That in Kawhi Leonard and just – um, there are some very real differences to their games too, but I mean, um, Kawhi has been absolutely incredible over the past couple weeks. Um, streak of 30 point games has now reached eight. And um, it's not just the points, it's the rebounding. He had 14 today. It's the passing. Um, he, you know, had his first triple double uh, today. He had seven assists. His defense has been really, I think the best it's been in the regular really season good. in yeah. years. Um really like MVP level stuff. And I'm still firmly on the, I think Giannis is the MVP and the night in night out best player in the NBA. Uh, Whatever but, that means. But Kawhi Leonard <laughs> is, uh, is, is right there. Um, you know, he's right, right there. Um, so yeah, I mean, just insane level of play from Kawhi and really, I mean, he carried the Clippers to the win tonight and he has really, you know, most of the past couple weeks. Hi, I'm Ariel Demros, host of the tech podcast Reset. And I'm here to tell you about some of the stories we're following on Reset this month. Stories about how we're adapting to the pandemic with a little help from technology and science. Like, what does teaching look like right now? I, I can 
tell you that there's two teachers right now who have been conducting their phone calls and check-ins with students from random parking lots, just anywhere that you can get Wi-Fi. And for folks who can work from home, how is that working out? Now it's my whole life is conducted via this internet connection. The pandemic has even changed what you might think of preppers. The preppers were at home, not going to Costco and waiting in line for 12 hours, standing next to a bunch of other sick people. So if you want to understand the new normal, how science and technology are shaping the way we live during the pandemic, listen to Reset. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. Later, nerds. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard today was 31, 14, and 7. Seven assists. Um, shot started, I want to say, maybe one for five from the field and finished 11 for 20. Uh, three of six from three, six of eight from the line, 31 points. So continues his 30-plus streak. His help defense, really just his his ball, his his IQ defensively is really amazing to watch. I feel like I haven't been able to watch a Clipper have such good instincts defensively maybe ever than when I watch Kawhi Leonard just defend and keep an eye on where the ball is constantly moving and use his long hands to make the, he has so many deflections on ball. Like I feel like his brain just moves faster than everybody else around him. And he's been fantastic on defense. Um, I, he's the, probably the best player I've ever had on, on, on my, on my basketball team. And watching him night in, night out is just a gift. Um, he was fantastic again today. Uh, Landry Shamitz really picked up his game. He was really good today at 19 points on four threes, uh, three assists, and three boards. Really good movement. Uh, really just confident in his shots. Couple couple of threes off the dribble. Um, just looking for his shots and getting good looks thanks to Kawhi. Pat Patterson continues his good play at 10 points. Zubat, I thought, was really good in his time. I don't know why he didn't play more minutes in the game, but that this is another conversation that we'll have. He was he had 6 points, 11 boards. He was, he was uh, plus 20, uh, plus minus. Meanwhile, Montrez Harrell was minus 6 and had his usual points that he usually gets, 19 and, 19 and 5 for Trez. Lou Williams seemed very out of sorts today. Uh, he was three of ten, but he did hit. Uh, he did have a nice uh, clutch layup when the Magic were making their run and cut it to seven. I believe it was ninety to eighty-three. Um, yeah, I mean this this was a good game. You know, it felt like both teams were kind of out of sorts all through the first half, and then Kawhi really just had a couple of really strong stretches where he put the game far from the Magic's reach. The Magic had a nice run in the fourth quarter where they had they could do anything they wanted in the lane. Um, coinciding with Montrezl Harrell being in there and uh, came back and cut it to seven. But then the nice few buckets kept them at arm's distance and the game never really felt like it was in danger. Did you feel anything else from today's game particularly, Rob? No, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned with Landry, but I mean, I think Shamit has been kind of the biggest takeaway of the past couple weeks outside of Kawhi looking so good. Um, Landry has really bounced back recently. Uh, not just the outside shooting, but he's been more aggressive. Uh, I think his ball handling has improved. He's making better plays. He had a couple really nice assists tonight. Uh, his defense yeah. still kind of iffy, um, but I think it's been a bit better than it was a few weeks ago, and it was really, really bad. And, yeah, I mean, when he's hitting those deep threes and spacing the floor, um, it makes this team entirely different. So Landry was great, and – you know, I don't have too much else to say about this game. I completely agree. Once they got that lead in the in the third quarter, I thought the Clippers had it basically all the way. I was never too worried about the Magic coming back and taking this one. But still, I mean, their ability to hold off, you know, a, you know, a solid enough Magic push in the fourth quarter was still impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, on a night, uh, Lou Williams was off, and Montrezl Harrell, despite some big numbers, was not that effective. Um, and the bench in general struggle, just Kawhi and, and Shamit and the rest of the starters really. I think all the starters played well. Pulling together to get the win was was very impressive. So definitely a good win. Um, you know, not as impressive as the one against the Heat on right. Friday, which was right. just incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean it was it's been a great week for the Clippers. 
Yeah, we might as well talk about that game, 122-117, and probably not as close as that. The Heat made a great run to close the game. But, you know, outside of a brief moment uh, where then, then after Kawhi Leonard hit uh, a huge shot that put the, the Clippers back up, um, I believe it was, was it, was it a three that he hit? No, that was in the previous game, the Mavericks game. But uh, Kawhi had some big shots to kind of keep the Heat from completing the comeback. But uh, the, heat, the Heat game... This was quite a game. The Heat are are really good. They have a lot of they have a lot of the they have that kind of a little bit of that Raptors feel. Well, they where they have guys who can all yeah. either put the ball on the floor, make passes, make plays, and it just runs throughout their whole roster. Virtually, uh, we even got a taste of Dion Waiters, who had a really nice game, who hadn't played all season, <laughs> and he had some huge shots and some nice stares yeah. and some nice time. He's sure hilarious. Did. Your guy Duncan Robinson played really well. Is Duncan Robinson a Michigan Michigan guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's great. He's just really good. He's really good. Uh, he's really good. I don't really know much about him, but I thought he was really impressive this game. Bam Adebayo is just a beast, really. Um, Tyler Hero has a lot of that Jimmy Butler swag about him, even if he was probably a little uh, talked a little much on on that game. Butler, of course, is great, and he had to miss a few of the last minutes of the game because he hurt his ankle. Um, but yeah, they have a they have a nice crew of players. I, I've always been a fan of James Johnson. I know that he has some uh, some irritability about him just as a player, but I always felt like he had really good tools. He wasn't particularly good this game, but I feel like he's a nice he's a nice piece that they can hopefully eventually round into shape. And they just have nice players. They were playing without Dragic. They were playing uh, without none, um, who are two of their other starters. So they were also not completely healthy. Myers Leonard has fit well as kind of a spacer big man for them too. But uh, they just have a bunch of really good players. And they, they probably are missing uh, Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> you know, or somebody like him to really take this team over the top, even though Jimmy Butler probably feels like he can be that kind of guy. Um, but they're, they're really good. They were really impressive. And honestly, I haven't watched much Heat all season. And I left that game very impressed with them. In fact, you know, I think they're probably in that tier right below the Bucks. that whole, that whole yeah. second tier. Yeah, yeah, the Heat are really good. I was kind of skeptical about them early in the year. And I still don't quite think that they can make an Eastern, you know, a run to the NBA Finals. I think they're probably a piece away, as you said. Um, but they're really good. I mean, they play super hard. Eric Spolster might be the best coach in the NBA. I mean, certainly, absolutely one of the five best, maybe the best. Um, definitely a top candidate for coach of the year. Um, Jimmy Butler is extremely good. Again, probably not quite a tier A superstar, um, but certainly a guy who's going to get all NBA and, and possibly all defense consideration this year. Um, you know, Duncan Robinson's been a great find. Hero has had a, a nice rookie season. I think it's getting somewhat overblown, um, but he's shown a lot of promise. You know, they have lots of solid vets who can come in and do stuff for them. I mean, Goran Dragic was out in this game, which did help the Clippers. Um, but, yeah, and Bam Adebayo is great. I mean, he should be an all-star as well. He should also probably be all-defense. Yeah. Um, it's like evolutionary Draymond Green to me, to an extent. I feel like he does a lot of those things that Draymond does. He's probably... You know, it's hard to he's he's a really talented passer. I don't know how good of a pocket passer he is. Um, but he's just he's impressive. I need to watch more of Bam, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's not as good a passer as Draymond is, and I don't think he's quite that level of defender. Um, but he's very good. He's he's about as close to Draymond as we've seen since Pete Draymond three or four years ago. Um yeah. the lack of a shot, even more than Draymond's though, who had a couple years where he was kind of a threat. Um, Bam's lack of a shot does hurt them somewhat on offense. But yeah, I mean, the Heat are really impressive. Uh, that win never seemed like it was secure. Um, they battled the entire time. Uh, they started out that game so looking so good and just so much better than the Clippers. Yeah, um, what was your take of that Clippers start? Is that really just a lot of the Clippers not – that Clipper unit not knowing how to deal with each other? Was Or were yeah. the Heat just kind of rolling? I think it was a little of each. I mean, I think the Heat just looked fantastic. Um, <laughs> they were awesome. But yeah. I do think, you know, not to pin it all on Jerome Robinson because I don't think <laughs> it was all on him, but I do think no. starting him for the first time this late in the season, I just – I don't understand it. Like, Doc Rivers is still 
experimenting when I just don't think he really needs to. Um, like, you know, I understand that with Pat and Paul George out, I mean, he's he's running down the list of players, and Rodney Magruder's had a disappointing season. Um, Derek Walton Jr. has fallen out of favor for reasons I'm not entirely sure about. I mean, I think he certainly hasn't, the last few times he's played, he hasn't been as effective as he was earlier in the year. Um, but I still don't really think he makes as many mistakes as Jerome Robinson does or as Terrence Mann does um, and is a better shooter by far than either of them. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure why he's not playing. But, I mean, if you rule him out, uh, you know, I just – I don't get trying to start Jerome when he hasn't done that all year. Um, I think that unit just looked extremely confused on both ends. And, again, it's not because Jerome was worse than anybody else. It's just it threw that unit out of sync. Um, and I don't think he played the entire rest of the game, which is is pretty wild. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was, you know, kind of a questionable idea. I mean, he had been playing well recently. Lucas wrote that article about how he turned the corner, which, you know, I kind of agree with. I think it was overstated a little bit, in my opinion. Um, but, I mean, he has been playing better recently. Uh, so I get that. But, I mean, I think if he's playing better, I mean, just keep him in his role where he's been playing well and let him do that and not force him into doing something else. Um, so I thought that was kind of questionable and that set the Clippers back. Um, but after that, I mean, I think I thought after that, they really outplayed the heat the rest of the game and Kawhi just scourged, scorched earth them. Um, you know, yeah, they just had no answer for him. They tried throwing all different guys at him just did not work. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, it was it was a really good win, um, and it just it goes against like all of the the dismay that we were seeing a few weeks ago. I was never really a huge believer in it, and I think the past couple of weeks without Paul George and then a few games without Pat Beverly have just reemphasized to me that this Clippers team is fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, so the Heat did a thing, and the Spurs have done this in the past. We've seen some teams do this, where they trapped Kawhi really hard. Kawhi had a triple-double, still shot 9 for 22 from the field, especially picked it up after a really poor first half. Um, do you think this is essentially the method to get to him? I know he had a near triple-double against that, against the Spurs in that one game in L.A., too. Um, but w- is that the best way to kind of slow down Kawhi, is to trap really hard off that pick-and-roll? I mean, I think I think that's the way to slow him down as a scorer. But I think he's become a good enough passer that it doesn't really slow down the Clippers very much, um, except when they're just missing open shots because he's gotten very patient at reading that and at not forcing passes, at finding the right guys, um, and at running repeat pick and rolls and flipping the picks to try to get switches and mismatches. Um, you know, I don't think it's really a long-term solution. I think it's kind of like when uh, – you know, when teams were doing that weird doubling, what the Clippers did it um, of James Harden, where they were just sending two guys out at him right away. And I just don't think it really, I mean, it's a gimmick. And I think, you know, what what teams have been doing to Kawhi is a little less gimmicky than that, but I still don't think it would really work um, very well just as a regular strategy. Cause I think he's, he's too good a passer now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of an interesting way to take away some of his options. And Kawhi did a really good job navigating it. Landry Shamet was uh, 8 for 15 from the field, 6 of 12 from 3. was really awesome this game. I thought the bench was really good, too. Um, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Jermichael Green. Uh, Harrell had 15 and 11, those boards being huge. Jermichael Green was particularly good in the first half and then continued it um, in the second, had 14 and 10. Had some nice little isolation post moves that he was doing. Lou Williams, uh, 5 of 14, uh, 16 and 7. Um, the bench was good, especially in that second quarter and in the end of the third where the Clippers pretty much pulled away. And it was just a, it was a good game. Um, the Clippers just really did a good job. I think they went on a 15-0 run to end the third quarter. And that really was the ball game. The, the Heat did a good job to fight back, but... That was really what did it. And uh, this was a, kind of a surprising win to me. I was expecting this to be a loss. And um, they won. And this this made up a lot for that terrible Hawks game, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the Hawks game is weird to me because I understand why it was bad. I mean, they had a 21-point lead. Uh, The Hawks are bad. (laughs) Um, Even with Trey Young and without Trey Young, I mean, they're easily the worst team in the NBA. Um, But it was the second night of a back-to-back. The Clippers were missing their two best players as well as, you know, probably their fourth or fifth best player in Patrick Beverly as well as, you know, know, the guy who really makes them tick and kind of the heart of the team. So... Well, I understand why it was still a bad loss. I mean, I don't. I was never that worried about it. Like, if the Clippers are ever playing without all three of them, um, they're going to be losing most of their games. So I don't think it says anything really about the team or about um, really anything about them. It was just kind of a de- irritating and disappointing loss. Um, I don't really have much else to say about the Hawks game. It was bad to watch. It was ugly. Um, but I really don't think it says anything about this team that, you know, that hasn't been said. Yeah, I don't think there's really much to read about that Hawks game. It was super frustrating. I think the Doc, Doc mismanaged minutes, which he often does. Trez was gassed by the end of the game. Zubat could have really been used. Uh, the Hawks were really, really bad. And the Clippers, you know, honestly, without George, without Kawhi, without Pat, probably aren't particularly good either. The Hawks just looked really bad to start. There's really not much to say about it. It was a very, very frustrating game. It was a bad, bad loss considering how they started and considering Trey Young wasn't playing. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's really most of what can be said about that game. The Dallas win was uh, was quite good. The 110-107, what was kind of a hotly contested game that went back and forth. Another virtuoso Kawhi performance. He had 36-11 and 11 on 12-29, of 29, um, including some big shots, including a massive three that essentially iced the game, though – the uh, the Mavs did go on one final run. Landry Shamit had a nice game, five of eight from three, 18 points, kind of his breakout game, um, even though he had a particularly bad pass to close this game uh, that got intercepted in traffic to Jermichael Green. Um, Pat Beverly only played the first half and got injured this game. Um, Zubat had a nice game, nine and nine. And the bench, you know, the bench was was okay, not particularly great. Really, this was the Kawhi and Landry show. Um with some, with a, with actually a, very, a pretty nice Patrick Beverly first half, the the bench wasn't particularly great. I thought Jermichael Green um, had some nice boards and had some nice work in the interior, but I wasn't particularly impressed with the bench too much. I suppose Lou was off this game. What did you think about this Mavericks game? Uh, uh, I don't know. It was it was good. Um, <laughs> the Mavs are a team. I can't really decide how I feel about them. Um, on one hand, they've been really good this season, and they kind of have a lot of quality depth. On the other hand, I mean, I don't believe in Porzingis at all, and I just don't think they have anybody who's even remotely approaching Luka in a way that, you know, I just don't think they're near that top level of the Western Conference. Um, they have nobody else who can consistently create shots. I mean, their second-best shot creator is probably, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Dion Wright, Jalen Brunson. I just, I just don't know about that team. And that's it. I mean, it's on the road. Um, you know, against a top five MVP candidate this year, I think in Luka Doncic. I don't know if he's a top five player. Um, but I mean, certainly you know a top ten, top top fifteen guy. Um, who's been playing really well lately. Um, and a team that, as I said, it does have a lot of depth, a lot of veteran depth, and another really, really well coached team. Um, by Rick Carlisle. So it was definitely a very good game. I think the Clippers had a good game plan. Um, It was kind of similar to their last time where they really tried to swarm and be physical with Luka. And Luka, you know, went off, but I don't think he had anything. He didn't have any stretches where it seemed like he was really taking the game over single-handedly. You know, there was a couple stretches where he was going back and forth with Kawhi but he never went on one of his kind of patented runs where he rips off like 15 combined points and assists in like three or four minutes and really just dominates. Um, I think the Clippers have done an excellent job on him. Just they have so many big bodies to throw at him um, between Kawhi and Mo, and then PG went healthy and, and even Jermichael Green got some reps on him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought that was another very solid win that, you know, it was certainly in doubt, but I, I kind of felt like the Clippers had that one for a lot of the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think that they match up really well with Dallas, which helps. 
Um, but that was another really good win. Probably not quite as impressive as the one in Miami, um, but still really good without without uh, Paul George. That was a really good win. Um, just, I agree with you. I mean, I just feel like the Mavericks just have a ton of just nice role players. Um, and Luca probably at this point is more of a or overqualified role player than he is like a franchise player, just because all that he can really do considerably above average is shoot threes and, um, and be tall, you know, <laughs> which is pretty much his shtick. Uh, I, I don't know if I just can't remember how good of a, a Nick he was, was, was he ever a dominant post player in the Knicks? Like, I don't no, know. I, hell no, I just no. feel like, how, how did he get his he's points? Been overrated. <laughs> he's been overrated his entire career. He really, he didn't deserve that all-star game that he got in a few years ago. He's like one of those guys, he's considered a unit, and he can, he's a good rim protector and, and defender in that sense, but he can't rebound mm-hmm. and he's not great out on the perimeter. Um, and he's a very good three-point shooter. He doesn't do that much else on offense. Um, really, when you think about it, he's really just a hyped-up Brian Cook now. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, no, I mean, he's he's a very good fit with Luka in terms of being able to provide that room protection and the pick-and-pop, um, as well as the pick-and-roll. Like I think on both sides of the court, he's a very good fit. But his rebounding and his lack of shot creation and his lack of passing are just all pretty big weaknesses at this point in his career. This is what his fifth season. I mean, maybe he'll as he gets past that injury and recovers better, um, you know, he'll be he'll take a step forward next year. But at this point, I don't know if the rebounding or playmaking will ever really get better. Um, and I mean, he can still be a really good player without that. Like, I mean, think. Tyson Chandler was always extremely limited and he was probably the second best player on, on one of the best title teams of the, of the, of the century. Um, but right now I just don't think he's, he's good enough to be a number two on, on a title team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, really not too much else to say about that game. Uh, it was a good win without Paul George. Um, that'll do it for the, those games. I don't know if I have too much to add. We have Twitter questions, Rob. Yeah, we have a couple. I put it out late today. Sorry, just there was there was a lot going on. Um, yeah. First from shift leader at God, I'm bored. Who's the backup point guard on this team that we can trust? And with Sham's recent emergence, do you figure that a starting lineup uh, with him, PG, Kawhi, could open up the floodgates offensively for the team? Um, so that's an interesting question. Um, so it's two kind of different questions. Um, the backup point guard, I mean, I think is Shamit. Um, you know, I think I was skeptical about it for a lot of the season. I think his ball handling forays were pretty bad, but recently he's been much better. Um, and I think even if you start him, you can still move him as into, you can take him off early and put him in as the backup point guard. And I think that could work, especially if you play him alongside Lou Williams. Now the defense would be kind of rough. Um, but I think the offense would be there. Um, and then the starting lineup is interesting. I mean, would it be Pat, him, PG, Kawhi? And you could do that, and I think that lineup would be incredible. But I, I don't know how long you want to pay Kawhi and PG at power forward. Um, but, I mean, I do think that lineup will definitely see a lot of time in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to start – Sham with Pat, just because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, trying to minimize the minutes of either Kawhi or Paul George at the four, which is totally fine and reasonable. And it seems like Doc has embraced that for the most part with Mo and then Pat Patterson, et cetera. So I do think that Landry has earned a lot of minutes. I kind of wonder what his ceiling is going to be on a healthy Clipper team as far as minutes go in the playoffs, because he's playing real well and uh, he looks great. And I agree, like as far as backup, it's like, it's like committee between Landry and Lowe which is fine by me. I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I just think in the playoffs, you have to think Kawhi and PG are getting 35 minutes, um, you know, and just all the key guys are getting bigger minutes. And some games, I mean, that could mean Landry plays a lot. Some games that might mean Lou or Pat plays a lot. Um, I mean, I think Pat probably plays a lot every game. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think... The Clippers are fine rotation-wise. I think there are things they could do to strengthen their rotation a little bit, but I think overall they're fine. And I think the past couple of weeks have kind of proven that. Um, 
Second question, and right now, last question, um, unless we get any in the next several minutes, um, from Thomas and Cara. I've been thrifty, uh, you know, friend of mine, always sends in really good questions and some two really good ones. Uh, so we'll start with the first one. How many consecutive first-round picks in a row would you be willing to sacrifice to guarantee a Clippers title? <laughs> Wait, so first-round picks in a row. How many consecutive first-round picks in a row would you be willing to sacrifice to guarantee a Clippers title? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, there, there's always been this kind of rule. I, th- I don't know if it was Simmons that thought of it, but se- se- somebody said that if you win a championship, you can't complain about your team for a minimum of five years. I think I'd be willing to, I, I would be willing, honestly, just with my natural pessimism, I think I'd be willing to even give up 10 years in a row. I was going to say first, 10. I yeah, think 10. I, think, I, I think I'd be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's an envy. It's what you're building up to. Yeah. I mean, the next 10 years would, at some point, it would be like, wow, this sucks. Um, but I mean, just losing the first round picks doesn't mean you're going to be bad. I mean, it would be very, it would be a big blow. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think I'd be willing to give up 10, which is pretty I think crazy. Be, I, think, I think I'd be fine giving up 10. And you could probably get more out of me if you're like Sam Presti out there or something. But <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I'd be willing to give up 10 years of it. If you told me, hey, the Clippers will absolutely win a championship tomorrow, but we have to take away 15 years of first-round picks from you, am I going to say no? Like, it's stupid, right? Like, of course. Like, go ahead. I yeah, didn't think I mean, you can talk into anything. I mean, there's a certain point yeah. where you'd have to be – it was like 50 years. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, uh, right, yeah, right. I mean, I'd say, I'd say 10, but, yeah, you could probably talk me into more. Um, right. And then – the next part, second part, is how so? How many picks would you give up in a row to guarantee the Lakers never win a title for twenty five years? <laughs> oh, it's a tough day to do that. But um, uh, what do you think, Rob? I, I mean, twenty five years is a long time. Like, if yeah. they win like twenty four years from now, I'd say like two or three, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just at some point, like you're just harming your own chances to win. Yeah. Cause it's a yeah. guarantee. It's to guarantee that they never win. Not that yeah. they like, I'd say two, three, I don't Maybe know. Maybe four. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's fine. Two or three. I, you don't want, you don't want to give up so much of your chances to win a title just so somebody else says, and I think that's a lot really petty. Yeah. I think two or three. That's fine. Yeah. If, that, if that doesn't do it, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm still thinking how many first round picks I might give up. Like twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think twenty I think you could talk me into twenty. Yeah. An entire generation of not having first round picks. I don't for one. I don't care. This is the prime <laughs> of my basketball watching life right now. Like that's if I can true. get it. If I can get a title now and be able to go to the parade and still jump up and down, how much is a title going to mean to me in 20 years when I'm just like, my knees are shot and I can't do anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. really all the questions um, we have. Sorry again for putting them out late. I wasn't really expecting a lot today. Um, it was, you know, a very, very weird day for NBA fans and really just yeah, in American this- pop culture, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I really have too much else. The upcoming week... Um, this Clippers Lakers game on Tuesday is going to be absolutely insane. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about this game. I know. I mean, I don't know how you write about that game or talk about it or even watch it. Like it's going to be crazy. Um, yeah, I don't, I I just don't even know how to talk about that. I mean, emotions are going to be running super high. Um, you know, obviously for the Lakers, but as we discussed, you know, several guys on the Clippers were clearly very close to, um, Kobe, um, I think you could say Lou um, and, and Kawhi and, and Paul George, certainly probably the three biggest, but I'm guessing almost everybody on the team looked up to him um, at one point or another. Zubots, I know, was a big Lakers fan growing up. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure guards, you know, basically every guard from the past, you know, 10 to 15 years probably idolized Kobe. So I'm guessing, you know, Terrence Mann, Jerome Robinson, Landry Shamit, Rodney Magruder, Derek Walton, like all these guys were probably Kobe fans growing up. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be crazy. I mean, obviously for the Lakers, you have guys who played with him, um, you know, LeBron, one of his biggest rivals, but also somebody who I'm, I'm sure was probably personally pretty close to Kobe. Um you know, is anybody is anybody left on the team that played with him? Did Kuzma Kuzma play with him? Kuzma did. Did Kuzma? Anybody else? No. 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 I think I think Kuzma did. Right. I think it's, Kuzma. I think he did his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Actually, but no, I don't. I don't think he did. He, so did he, did any was, of them play with him? And no, I mean I don't think anybody. At least Dwight, not in this obviously. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Dwight played with him before. LeBron played with him on Team USA. Um, yeah, but that's about it, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, just the organization, obviously, very close to him, right? Um, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, that's gonna be intense. I mean, I, don't I, know. I, mean, I would, I would be stunned if the Clippers won that game. Just with all this, I would be, I would be pretty surprised. I feel like I don't even, I wouldn't even be that mad. Like for the first yeah, time I in my think. life, if the, yeah, if the Clippers lost that game, what am I gonna say? Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, huge game for the Lakers. Just emotionally, everything. Like, what are you gonna say? Like, if the Lakers win that game, I'll probably be happy for them. They, they kind of, they kind of need this. Like, it's, it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't. It's hard to really care about the results of this game. I hope it's entertaining. Me too. Um, you know, I really hope that the players kind of take the Kobe thing and run with it. Is like we're gonna go out there and ball, and we're gonna play our hearts out. Um, I really hope that's kind of what happens um, because, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm sure it's going to be a very somber affair, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be crazy. And then after that, sorry, I, I just took out my page. I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, they played the okay. on Thursday at home and then Timberwolves at home on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Those two, two, should, two and one. Yeah. Yeah. Those are both ways. I mean, yeah, the Kings have been dreadful recently. The Wolves have been dreadful recently. Um, and the Clippers, I think, have dominated the Kings in recent years. Um, they have, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the Wolves have given the Clippers some issues. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is just a nightmare, but the rest of that team is is pretty miserable. Um, so, yeah, I'd say two and one, and this Clippers-Lakers yeah, game is, is going to be crazy. Yeah, this was, a, this was a fun week. I think the Clippers did a really good job closing – down the stretch of these games, Kawhi had some big shots. Shout out to Kawhi. This girl I'm seeing, this girl I'm seeing was put our Valentine's Day date on the line during that Mavericks game because I was complaining about it so much while I was talking there, <laughs> and, and he brought it home. So thank you, Kawhi, for that because I was extra nervous because of that. Um, but yeah, I want to give some shout outs to people. Uh, our one time shout outs, Min Choi is one of our Patreon uh, subscribers. I want to give a shout out. Um, to that user. Uh, I also want to give some of our monthly shout outs that we always give out to the last batch from this month, Meg Smith, June Park, John Sun, uh, Joey smoking BBQ, which is a, which is a site for some Clipper hangouts, which is great. Uh, David Hong, Ronald Pang. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll be talking about them soon again in the next following month. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for subscribing, for helping us keep everything going to win three hoops. Should be getting up pretty soon. Not probably not the start of February, but uh, but soon after. Everything's kind of in the works. Wheels are moving, and we're super excited to share that with you guys. And I think that'll do it for this episode of the Lob the Gem the podcast. Uh, give us a nice review of whatever you listen to us to. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Rest in peace, Kobe Bean Bryant. And as always, go Clippers. Hi, this is Garrett Sisti. Hold for applause. The host of the Lightning Round podcast and Score More with Garrett Sisti, all under the Bolts from the Blue podcast network covering your local Los Angeles Chargers. The podcasts are great, but don't take my word for it. Listen to this kid. Kids don't lie. It seems. Forget the kids. Search Bolts from the Blue on iTunes to find great Chargers podcasts like the Lightning Round podcast and Score More with Garrett Sisti and add them to your podcast rotation. I'm not giving you that dollar. <laughs> 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.